Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving. I love him at Sports Talk. I've always got Glovey Glove, Holtz and Co-Holtz with a glove. Love, I'm here. And we got all glove. She ain't going to get in the middle. But she says she's coming over to my side. We got Pete. You there, Pete? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we got you know, I can't even hear the music. Your music was playing in your ear. So oh, I don't even know. But uh, well, let's go get started. You know, uh, the reports of Tim Tebow might get cut, guys. Hey, I think New England just brought him in for another one of those New England tricks, you know, to get the media out there from the Hernandez, and now they're going to cut this guy. What do you guys think about that? Oh, man. I mean, I feel bad for Tebow. <laughs> you know what? I, I really liked him in Florida, you know, the two years when they won the championship. And ever since he's just gotten in the NFL, he, I mean, these teams are just dogging him out. I mean, Denver, he wins a playoff game for them. You know, the Jets bring him there to talk about, okay, now let's have him play receiver. I mean, I just, I'm just starting to feel bad for him. And I think if he gets under a proper trainer and sits behind a proper quarterback where he can actually learn, kind of like Rodgers did with um, Brett Favre, he can improve. But people are just dogging him out. I, I just feel bad for Tebow. Well, you know, this is a Glover to piggyback kind of off of what um, – BDST, you know, I think she was watching basketball wise or something, so now she got this, uh, this, this personality that's coming out finally. But anyway, you know what? You got to remember Josh McDaniels, who was the offensive coordinator in New England, was the, uh, coach that drafted Tebow to Denver, and evidently he seen something. So he, uh, once Tebow was released from the Jets, he brought him over to uh, New England. Of course, you know, with all the Hernandez stuff going, Tebow's media attention would override that. But, I mean, you would think he was talking about sitting behind a, a nice quarterback and getting the proper help. You know, who who's more better to learn from than Tom Brady? And, you know, with the organization, you know, that he's playing for now, I think he's in the best situation possible. I personally think it's all media hype. I don't think they're going to release him, but it remains to be seen. If he uh, has, a, I think, a halfway decent fourth uh, preseason game, I think he stays on the team. If he plays subpar, then I think he's released. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if he stays on New England and he's, you know, there with Tom Brady, you're right. He is one of the best quarterbacks. So that would be an ideal situation for Tebow in terms of him getting better, becoming a better, you know, quarterback, picking up better things. Um, but, I, you know, when I watch him in Denver, I don't think he's all that bad. Like, sometimes people just give him such a bad time. Like, Tebow should be quarterbacking. He should be playing another position. I mean, when he was in Denver, the couple times he played, he wasn't all that bad. I just think it's going to take him a little longer to come in and get adapted to NFL versus him just coming right in, boom, like a Wilson or RG3, it may take people a little bit longer. But I don't think he's all that bad if he gets the proper training. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of look at it, and I got to agree with you that he, he, like I was trying to argue a long time ago with Glove now, that he's not ready now. But, heck, if you see all these other teams with quarterback, I mean, look at the Jets. They should have kept him, you know, because they still got Sanchez over there that's just not approving. Then they got Geno Smith that's just not ready either. But Tebow could have been the quarterback there. I mean, if you look, he's not bad, but what team could he start for? That's what you got to look at, that's, you know, that he could fit in and that he could play and, and progress in a couple of years. What team do you think he can play at, guys? Well, you know, I agree with you on that. I'm not sure if I could name a team he could be starting. I mean, maybe Miami Dolphins. I mean, I know we've, you know, that's my favorite AFC team. I mean, the Dolphins have needed a quarterback for years. They have just keep going through quarterbacks. So I'm not sure if Tebow's ready to start, but like you said, keep him on a team right now, the Jets. Sanchez is hurt, but going with this other, you know, he might have been now, this could have been a chance for us to actually see him play, you know, preseason games, get some reps and we might see him perform better. But when they keep shifting him around, switching him from team to team, not letting him play, want him to just come in and run the ball, he's not going to develop as a quarterback by doing that. Well, again, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the question was what team could he start for? And, you know, the the sad part about it is this. Most of these young guys that's coming in as rookies, they're putting players around them where it'll help faster, you know, help the player develop faster. When you look at RG3, when you look at Andrew Luck, when you look at Russell Wilson, look at the tools that was on the field with them when they when they took over the uh, franchise. Now you go back to Tebow when he was in Denver, he had minimal tools and he succeeded. Same tools that Tayton had last year, Tebow had. Tebow did better, but still nobody wants to give this young man a chance. I think at some point, who's to say what team he needs to start for, but you have to give him the opportunity and you have to put players around him to see if he can develop. Now, if you look at those guys that had the whole season to go and where they ended up into the season, you know, what was at the beginning, you know, what was the outlook? Did people think RG3 was going to do as great as he did? Or Andrew Luck, they thought they might have went 500, but they went to the playoffs. I just think, again, I'm not a Tebow fan or any of the above. I just think he needs a fair chance like everybody else is getting so he could either fail or succeed. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at it, too. Uh, can he, if Tom Brady get hurt, can he be the backup for that team? That's the question you got to ask because he is a second-string quarterback, right? or the third or something like that, but I guess the second string that hurt. So can he back up and play from the winger? You guys think he can? Uh, I mean, <laughs> looking back at what I mean, looking back at what he did in Denver when he when he did actually get to come in. I mean, before they got to the playoffs, he was just doing okay. You know, he was. I think he would actually end up with more rushing yards some games than he did with throwing yards. Because he comes in and they want him to run run the ball. Um, so, you know, James, I would have to say if there was a team right now that was relying on Tebow to start, I'm not sure right now that he'd be able to step in and just, like, lead you to a bunch of wins. I just think, like Gluff said, for me, it's going to take him some time to develop. So I don't think he's ready 
right now to be a starter. That, to me, he, has, he hasn't proven that in the games that we've seen him play. He couldn't start a team right now. Well, oh, for me, it's like this. Regardless of his religious belief, I think they've kind of destroyed the young man from a mental standpoint where he's second-guessing himself and he's not being himself. I think put in the right situation, I'm not saying he's going to be a super, super, superstar, but I think in the right situation he could win games like most mediocre quarterbacks in NFL. I'm not going to rank him up there with Tom Brady, but I, I bet you he could win some games like most of these other teams like Buffalo and Cleveland and, and you know, those teams that are at the bottom. I bet he can, you know, do some justice on some of those bottom teams to help them win a few games. Come on, Glenn, let's be real. Some games is not won by quarterback. So some of those games that they win was not going to be back because of a quarterback. You agree with that? I mean, you you got to remember, okay, James, you play. Be realistic. All the facets to go into the game, if you can win special teams, that's a bonus. You right. know, create turnover, your, you know, turnover ratio on defense. You know, if you create turnovers on defense, which turn into points on offense, then, yes, you win the ball game. But what does a quarterback do? A quarterback manages the game with the least amount of turnovers. That's all you need is somebody that can manage the game well. You put all those facets together, you get a W in the column. You know, you lose special teams and lose lose the turnover ratio, you get an L in the column. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying he's the answer, but I'm saying at some point, because I'm, I'm getting tired of talking about him, I'm getting tired of talking about Johnny Manziel, I'm getting tired of talking about A-Rod, but guess what? Those people are given chances. Give the young man a chance. Let him again fail or succeed so we can be through with this conversation. You know, T- I mean, Tebow may end up just joining the ranks of uh, this other list of, uh, you know, college quarterbacks who won a title, who get in the NFL, and they just never become a top quarterback. I mean, we've seen it. Look at Sanchez, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, there was the other quarterback from USC that went to the Cardinals. Liner. I mean, it's just a bunch of them. They're winning these. They go in and have one good college year or so. They win a championship, a title, and then NFL's a high up on them, but they get in NFL and don't actually end up really producing. So I'm hoping he doesn't fall into that category because, like I said, I watch people back and forth, and I really like him as a person. So I'm hoping he doesn't join that list, the, the Russell and Liner and Sanchez, but – I just hope, you know, he somehow gets a chance and his, his quarterbacking just improves. I'm pulling for him, so I'm hoping he doesn't join that list. Yeah, but, but, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. But, Pete, but unlike, unlike Jamarcus Russell, Sanchez has been given four or five years. Matt Leiner's been on, what, three different teams in four or five oh, years? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, he, and, uh-huh. he, and he just got picked up again. You follow me? So, so <laughs> they're given opportunities Sanchez has been given an opportunity to start since he's been in the league, and he hasn't performed up. Matt Lyons was given an opportunity to start, and he just became a consistent backup, and they're willing to keep him as a backup with no expectation and give him a paycheck. Jamarcus Russell played himself out the league. Now he's trying to come back. We're talking about Tebow, who, you know, he's been bounced around. He was given a chance in Denver. He played. Then he went to the circus, the sideshow in New York Jets, where he's sitting on the bench. Now he's in New England, which is his third team. And did they bring him there to give him a fair shot? Or did they bring him there to take away 
all the attention that Aaron Hernandez was bringing to the team. So that's the question that we need to ask is, was he going to be given a fair shot in New England, or was he adding to the sideshow to take all the attention from the whole Aaron uh, Hernandez debacle? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and that's what all I think that was, because he had the owner speaking out talking about he pulled for Tebow to make the team. Well, why would you bring him in there if you're not, you know what I'm saying? Thinking you want him to make this team, you know. So I think, you know, it's always something to get themselves off of Hernandez. And if you look at the reports now, not going to Hernandez, but going to Hernandez. Reports for Hernandez told Belichick that he felt his life was in danger. So did Hernandez talk to Belichick about what's all going on, guys? I'm sorry, what was the last of your question? Did Hernandez what? Talk to Belichick and, and was telling him things was going on in his life with all these gangsters. Because the reports coming out that he told Belichick that he felt his life was in danger. And you got to look at that too, guys, and think a player will confide in that coach in certain things. So do you guys believe that? Well, I mean, yeah, I read that too earlier um, this morning on Sports Illustrated. They were saying that he had actually went to Belichick and told him, you know, he thought his life was in danger. The friends he was hanging around, you know, he thought maybe they were after him and whatever. And maybe he did. I mean, they're also saying he was also taking a lot of PCP and stuff, been, you know, casually using drugs over the past year and stuff. So, he, you know, who knows? He probably did it once. Maybe felt his life was in danger, but he's still hanging around the same guys and didn't do nothing about it. So... Hello. Hello. You moving around? So you know what? Say it again. You moving around? Like... No, I'm laying. I'm laying still. Anyway, you know what? All that could have been done those two days when he went. You know, after all, all was said and done, and the crime had been committed, he could have told Belichick that the day or two prior. You know, when we seen him going back and forth to the practice facility before they uh, told him not to come around the facility anymore. I don't think it was done before the murder because you would have thought if that was the case, there would have been, you know, precautionary steps taken for the young man. I think what's being said now was after the crime had been committed and he was trying to, you know, get that that little bit of, you know, whatever from the coach, that little sympathy, I should say. You know, he's you know, well, that, you know, actually the report today was saying he went to Belichick last year because Belichick, they're saying, had quoted, said to him, if you don't get yourself together, then the following year you're going to be cut. So they're, they are saying that he went to Belichick like last year. This was before all this murder stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I agree with that, Paul, because, I mean, look at the um, guy that killed himself for um, Kansas City. Chiefs, you know, he went to the facility and talked to the coaches, you know, and they're from. So I think they, these guys go to them, feel that they can speak to them as a father figure and tell them things. And Belichick probably was like, hey, like you say, Pete, get yourself together or you out of here, you know? Well, I mean, I think even last week we were saying, I think Love had even said he bet Belichick and the, the organization, they were aware of what was going on. And, you know, like they were saying that report said today, the people who he was hanging around and bringing around the facility, they were so-called gangsters. So we were also right when Love had said he bet New England was aware of it. So, you know, this, they've obviously had some kind of warning a couple of years ago what was going on and who he was hanging around and his friends. 
glove. You know what? I just think at this point, they're both trying to save face on both sides, trying to point the figure at one another, you know, trying to go for the sympathy act. Look, the young man was a thug, wannabe. You know, he had criminal, you know, tendencies, and they finally came out and, and ruined his career. So what, what do we say? Okay, he went to the coast. The coast didn't do anything. Now you're trying to, you know, James is trying to make a comparison with the young man killing himself in uh, Kansas City. You know, his whole his whole situation was different because. Oh, no, I was like saying, a, I feel they go and talk to their coaches when things are going wrong. That's what I said, Glove. I will make no comparison. I said these okay, players. I, you, I, I know they got to go to these coaches. I uh, thought he was doing a comparison with the way you said it. Anyway, but like I said, this the young man in KC had murdered someone, then he went to talk to the coaches. And it wasn't a talk to to ask for anything. He was thanking them for giving him the opportunity prior to him killing himself. So so those are two different uh, situations. You know, what Hernandez did was totally criminal, not to say what the guy in KC did was criminal as well, but it's, it's kind of, you know, you want to say that they went to the coaches as father figures. You know, those coaches don't give two rats about them. Well, guys, this one, we're going to take a break. Then we come back, we'll talk about uh, RG3 report that he, argue, he is going to start the season open. Is it right for him to do that, or should he sit out? So, uh, we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. 
James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, back the host of Love That Sports Talk. And Glove and P, are you guys there? Yep, we're here. I'm here, Love. All right, well, guys, um, this is another play you almost get tired of hearing about. But yeah, they got to talk about it, though. And at the beginning, well, about a month or so ago, he just was blabbing his mouth, running his mouth over and over. Um, and I just think he just should just play and let him play. You know, he played a great year last year. You know, this year's going to tell, but RG3. You know, they talk about now he's going to start to see the open against the Eagles. It's just with so much going on with him, you know, is he going to be ready? He talked about he could run the 40 and the 4-3. And him and Shanahan got into it, talked about, you know, let the coach decide when you're ready. So what do you guys think is going on with this guy? One, I mean, it, it's going to be a, a Monday night game, September 9th, against the Eagles, and I am pumped and can't wait for that game because, you know, James, like you said, not only is he just talking about it and the media talking about it, but I know Philadelphia Eagles, their defense is probably just saliva. I mean, saliva is just running like they cannot wait to get to this dude. I mean, I know they probably not sitting there like they want to hurt him, but – Everyone now knows he's coming back from a big-time injury, and he, you know, he has to know defenses are going to be just waiting to try and get a hold of him. So if he's not 100%, <laughs> he's going he's to have a third couple of first games. And we'll see. I think in the third game or two, you're going to see how that knee is really doing because people are coming after him. They are coming. Well. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this this young man from the time he heard me last season, through the off season, OTAs, summer, and right now with the preseason going on, instead of focusing on rehab and trying to get himself ready from a mental standpoint, for me, he's doing too much media work, like he's running for politics, like he's running for government. I, you know, I thought he was a football player. Now it looks like he's a politician. You know, because everything he's doing. You know, we don't hear anything from Andrew Luck or any of these other quarterbacks. All we keep hearing about is RG3, RG3, RG3. But at some point, I'm hoping and waiting for the season to start so maybe he'll stop talking. I think personally, he'll suffer sophomore blues. I don't think he'll have as great a season as he had last year because them holding out him out during the preseason – I think it's going to hurt him the first few starts he had in the regular season. And then, you know, you also wonder where if he is, if that knee is someone bothering him, is he going to tell the coaches and, you know, tell the staff, or is he going to try and hide it and still try and play? And when are they actually going to sit him if he doesn't, you know, if, if again, we see he's limping a little bit or whatever after going through last year's playoff. So it'll be interesting to see, too, how Shanahan's going to handle him and if he's not executing at that level and if he's still not on, if Shanahan's going to pull him and put the other guy in. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to go on in, in Washington. You know, we don't want to comment on that because I think if he's hurt now, I think he's going to pull himself. Because he looked at, 
you know, if you hear him talk, that he could have ended his career last year by what he did. I think he done pulled himself out, you know. And I think now it's too late. He already been hurt, you know. And another thing, I think his he's a quarterback. He's not um, Adrian Peterson. They think because Adrian Peterson came back from it was, you know, that's a different position. They both playing so. I just don't see him, you know, like well, say he's gonna suffer the sophomore blues. I think it's gonna hurt him this year. Guys, agree? Oh, go ahead, Glenn. You can start. Well, you know, for, like I said again, you know, not that I can agree with James Levin with what he's saying, but the, the little analogy he made, or the little similarity he made, Adrian Peterson and R.G. Wright. Adrian is a running back, built different. You know, his job is different as opposed to RG where he has to think a little bit more and control or manage more of the game. You know, when you see RG out there running, you know, he's he's showing off in front of the cameras, but you gotta remember there's nobody in front of him pressuring him. Or he doesn't have to make those sharp cuts or quick, you know, run outs. So with no equipment on and nobody rushing, yeah, he looks like a superstar, but if you if you really watch him run and drop back, he's still favoring that right knee pump, which he'll do it for some time. It's only been eight months. You know, he's not the bionic young man, so he's going to favor it. And I think, you know, come September 9th at there, we're going to see that the young man's not ready. Yeah, and I think, too, with him being his uh, sophomore season and with that injury, I don't think he's going to have quite that same year as he did last year. Now, if he had never been injured, this would be a different conversation. But I think with him coming back that, from that injury, and like I said, defenses are really going to be going after him. They know he's recovering from an injury. I don't see him having another big boom year like he did last year. I don't see it. And James, too, with him, you know, I wonder, you were saying you think he'll pull himself if he's feeling hurt. And I don't know because, like you said, he's just kind of like jumped into this, this limelight He's always, I mean, even through the offseason, there was always NFLs following him. When did he get out of rehab? When is he out of the hospital? And I think he kind of likes this stuff. So, to me, he almost seems like one of those players that they're kind of like, I'm going to prove to everyone I can still play. And so, I don't know if he's the type that if he feels a little nag, he's going to be like, okay, it's time for me to go sit down. I think RG likes the light. I think he likes the media, the media attention. And I think he's going to try and play through it. See, I'm not trying to. I gotta watch what I compare with Glove, right? Because he said I can't compare. But uh, but what you were saying, uh, they're gonna go after RG three. You know, people, I can see that. You know, just to get in my game. But is that almost the same? With, you think they're gonna go after Cooper too? Go after who? Cooper for the Eagles. You think? You think players are like that? What my point? You think they really like that to go after players? You know. I mean, you know, you're saying try and get people hurt, get them out of the game. And then what Cooper did, you know, what he said when he said to him, do you really think teams look at that and go after these guys so if they have something to go after? That's the point. I mean, so, I think so. I mean, yeah, think about it. Anytime you know someone has a little a little disadvantage or something, it's just, it's just the way we are as people. I'm not saying they're going to try and hurt him, but when you know someone has a little – injury, a little nag thing there, you know that's how you can maybe get an advantage over that person. I think he does have a target on his back um, from with the defenses, the teams that he's playing against. Cool. I don't I don't I don't think it's a direct a direct 
snap to try to hurt him intentionally. But think about it as a receiver, love. If you've seen the DB limping, or if the quarterback's seen the DB with a knee brace on, and you know he just had surgery three weeks ago, are you not going to try that? Are you not going to try that cornerback knee to make sure he can backpedal, spin, and run, and keep up with you? So, don't you think most defenses that are pass rushing, they're going to try to contain, keep him in the pocket, and they're going to try to make him work that knee just to make sure that it's working the way it should. So I don't think it's intentional, but the business is to get to the quarterback. So they're going to do their normal job of getting to the quarterback. I'm just saying because he's not getting any work in preseason, we don't know how he's going to respond. You know, is he going to bounce back up? You know, if they fall on that leg the wrong way, you know, is it going to re-injure? Or, or, you know, how long is it going to take? for him to get the cobweb out because, like I said again, running in the straight line is easy. It's when people are chasing you, and you got to make those quick cuts. You know, what's, how's the knee going to react? That's, that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't care about him running. You know, the running the mouth thing is a beautiful thing because he's a little arrogant, but come September 9th, he's going to have to put up a shut up. And at the end of the day, we hope he put up. I think that's the point I wanted to hear from you guys. I would make a good point where if you have something like they call it billboard, regular, we got some on billboard, so go against that team and try and, you know, get get the hill team fired up. So you're right, P. You know, it's like billboard talk. The guy said in the locker room, they put it up there like if somebody say something about that team, they put it up there to show them. So you're right about that. And then what you said, Glove, right, too, was you're right. You see it. You see it on TV when um, a DB get hurt. And they keep him in the game. You see the quarterback keep going right at him because they know he hurt, and they keep firing yep. right at him. You know, so that's kind of what I really want. You know, as the listeners know, that's what they do with all that type of things. You know, it's not nothing personal, but hey, they trying to win, right, guys? Well, exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That's why. I'm, that's why I me. Mean, you know, that's what we're saying. Like, I don't think someone's gonna go out and say. I mean, look I at Dwayne Wade. <laughs> 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 Now, why, why you got to throw my boy Wade in? Okay, we're talking about RG3. <laughs> All right, we get on Barry Bonds in a little bit, Pete. <laughs> no, but James, look, with that, with that um, Philadelphia Eagles player you're talking about that, you know, said the N-word, Cooper, I bet yeah. you, okay, there's going to be everyone, like we said, everyone, all the players, they hear this stuff, people, they watch ESPN, somebody this year, on defense is going to give him an extra hard hit and might even say something to him while he's down. Because don't tell me guys hear that and those who are offended or mad, they might not try and hit him a little extra harder because of what he said. No, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they're going to go out of their way to prove a point, you know, or, or to make an example because of the word he used. I think they're going to play football and if they get a chance to crack him, I just think they're going to crack him. You know, it's not going to be like somebody's going to run on the field and he's going to be jogging by and they're going to shoot him a forearm like it's North Dallas 40 or, you know, the longest yard. It's not going to be playing like that. I just think if he's in a situation where somebody can hold him up and they can clean his clock, I think they're going to clean his clock. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Glove. I think some things do go out to him. You know what I mean? Look at... I mean, I don't, you know, back in the days, I don't know, you never watched the Bears, but look at the Bears and the Packers. Look at when they, remember when Jim McMahon dumped them and slumped? Remember that guy? Who was that? Jim McMahon. Remember when the Packers did that? You guys remember back that, back in? 
Mm-mm. Man, they wanted to hurt him. They wanted him my game, and they took the penalty. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just yeah, because they didn't like what, McMahon. Am I right, guys? You remember that? What girl? year was that, love? I mean, what year was that? Let's let's talk year wise. If that was 70s or 80s, you know, we're talking 20, 30 years later. Where now, you know, the fines are a lot stiffer and the penalties are a lot stiffer. You know, if you go out of your way, because I guarantee you, there was a memo sent around the league. You know, to the teams and the organizations that if anybody acts out or if anybody go out of their way to do X, Y, Z to Cooper, I'm sure the penalties are going to be stiff. So if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to do it in a non-direct way to make it seem like it's part of the play that's going on or it has something to do with happening. You just can't see him standing on the sideline. And I'm not saying something crazy like that, but you just can't see him jogging and he's not in the route and you shoot him a forearm or, you know, you crack him, you know, you can't do anything like that. You know, you, you, you can't be obvious in what you're trying to do for That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I wasn't saying I think someone's just going to, you know, run on the field and do something. I mean, just in a gameplay where they might put a little extra umph into, <laughs> into try and lay him out. <laughs> you know, you're just, you know, and like we said, I'm just, saying like all throughout the year somebody you know a defender covering him might put a little extra elbow in there or something you know because everyone knows about it so kind of like with A-Rod where that first pitcher after it came out he had actually like snitched on other players that first pitcher they played in Boston tried to hit him so sometimes people take offense to things so if I was Cooper you know I'm sure he has it on the back of his head somebody might try and just you know give him a little extra umph one time so he probably knows, too. Oh, I'm almost positive, you right. If somebody can say something to him, you know, watch him, they tackle him, and, you know what I'm saying, and give him an extra push on the ground or something, to, you know, to let him know what he said, you know, they still thinking about that. Right, guys? Well, you know, things always go on on the bottom of the pile. You, I mean, you know that from playing football. There's always an extra twist or extra punch or something like that. But like I said, again, as long as it's not directed and blatant and, and it's in a situation where it seems like it's hard to play, it's okay. But if you go out of your way and do something, I think the fine and the penalty is going to be stiff. Yeah, no, I wouldn't expect, yeah, no, I wouldn't expect someone to um, do it in a situation where it's going to cost them the game or, it's just clear and the referee is standing right there. I'm, just, I'm agreeing here with Glove. It's probably going to be something. We might not even see it, but it's probably going to go on. And if you probably were to ask him midway, he probably could, could tell you. But, no, I don't think someone's just going to risk, risk a game or risk being, like, heavily fined and just go out of the way and do it. Well, guys, this is what we're going to do. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come out for a break. I got a little twist in the last segment. Uh, the guys from Norma. Turn the story around for something different. Surprise you guys and uh, see what you guys think about this. But this is James Love with Glove and Pete. Pete, we love you being on my side today. We'll be right back. <laughs> Goal, Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James. I'm back with Love of the Sports Talks and I'm Wade's co-host with Glovey Glove. Is that Glove? I'm here, James. And we got P Glove, our faithful P co-host with us. You that P? Yep, I'm here. Miss San Francisco 49ers here. There you go. See, I ain't want to go there. Yeah, I'm trying to wait until the season starts. But now, guys, I wanted this last segment to be a little, little longer to talk about. Uh, it's, it's kind of concerning for me. I mean, I don't know, P. I know you dealt with it when uh, your brother Brandon was playing, but I'm talking about Pop Warner football. First, what is going on with these parents? I mean, you got these coaches. Let's start off with one thing, and I'll I bring up more, but you got these coaches that having these kids out there, uh, and then they, they're not playing the kids. They're playing like their sons and these for their kids. And not, you know, the other kids are not supposed to be in the position they're supposed to be playing because they play a favorite. Is Pop Warner changing to where, you know, you can't even get your kids to play this game no more? I mean, who wants to You feel glove? Well, you know, I know back when, like you said, my brother and my nephew, they grew up playing Pop Warner. And I know back then, well, this is probably about, like, what, 10 years ago, I thought Pop Warner had rules where every boy had to play a certain number of either a min- minutes or possessions or something. So I don't know if they're still doing that today, but they may need to incorporate or go back to that to make sure that everyone is getting a little bit of playing time. I mean, come on, these are kids. And I know dads, if they're coaching, they're going to want to play their sons and, you know, play the better players. But Pop Warner, being that these are kids, they they may need to go back to incorporating something where each kid, you're paying your money to play, they're coming out to practice, each kid should be given a certain number of, you know, time that they have to be on the field, whether your team's losing or winning. That's what I think. 
glove before you go pee. I kind of agree with you definitely. That's what I agree with you saying. But how can you um, uh, police that? Is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I can't wait for Glove to talk because he's ready. Because <laughs> I talked to him about this, but how can you police that? P. I mean, you got these coaches, and you saying you know, but these young kids, all you want them to do is get to fundamental football. That's all you want them to teach them. Um, and it seems like that's not being taught, P. You know what I'm saying? You agree with that? Before Glove gets fired up. <laughs> well, I think you know. I think back on like Brandon and Little Stevie when they were playing, there was a certain manager or team assistant coach who he was there tracking that. This, now, like I said, this was like 10 or 15 years ago. There was someone actually, one of the coaches had to sit there and track who got in, who didn't get in, and before a game ended, if they needed to send three players in, that happened. So like I said, I don't know how it's done today, but that would have to be the way you'd have to police it, is you'd have to sit there and make sure someone's keeping track of who's getting in and who's playing. I mean, it's the only way you can do it. Now, Glove, before, now, Glove, you can go... Ah, we can wait for this. <laughs> well, I mean, what what you're saying is right. Um, it is it is sad that parents pay three, four, five hundred dollars for their kids to play pop Warner football, and they're only in San Diego. They're allowed. They're they're supposed to play a, a minimum of fifteen plays a game, which is sad that you pay all that money and you only get fifteen plays. Which, if they don't have their fifteen plays by the start of the fourth quarter. Those kids have to go in and play the game until they complete their 15 plays. That's the sad part about that. Now what you guys were talking about earlier about the whole, you know, we call it daddy ball out here in San Diego, and I'm sure they have catchphrases in other places, you know, because you don't really get a lot of guys that want to come out and donate time to coach you the sports. Parents take it upon themselves to coach a team which their son is on to better their son's situation. I've been faced with that for the last seven, eight years since my son is in Pop Warner. Thank God he's in high school now, and we're kind of dealing with a similar situation. It's not daddy ball, but the coach is a four-foot wrestler, and he never played football, but that's a whole other story. We're not going to get into that today. But, yeah, the sad part is, is that parents go out there to make their son's situation better, which I've always said I don't think a parent should be able to directly coach his son he should have to coach other kids, and he shouldn't have influence on where the kids play. It should be just an open an open tryout. Kids go out there and play. The parents shouldn't have any involvement or influence in dictating that little Johnny's going to be the quarterback even though he can't run without falling down, you know, or he's some, you know, extra large kid and, oh, he's going to be the fullback and he can't even bend down to tie his shoe without sweating. So there's a lot of things to be adjusted, but the sad part about it all at the start is that there's not enough adults who are willing to sacrifice their time to teach these kids the right way. Well, let me start with P, then come back to you, P. I mean, you said you've seen your nephews and playing and your brother. Did you at one time feel that something was unfair with either their play or some other kid's play? And as a parent or a niece or, I mean, or an auntie, what would you have done? I mean, I mean, most people don't want the parents getting the ball. You know, let the coaches go. What would you have done, please? You know, it. Well, for okay, for both of my, for both my brother and my nephew, because they were very good. Of course, they were players that were always on the field. So for them, it didn't fall into a situation where I we weren't seeing them get playing time. But there were. You would see other little boys, and like I said, maybe it would be fourth quarter where. 
the boys who have been sitting over there the whole game, their uniforms are clean, they're not sweating, they haven't been put in, you'd see them get in towards the end of the game. And so, you know, my thing is that I just think it's not fair that they're starting to, like, put this pressure on these kids at such a young age nowadays. I mean, you're right, it's starting in Pop Warner. It's starting third grade, second grade. You know, they have to go play. You have to do well. They're already talking about when you get to high school, college. And I think if this, we're just in a time now where stuff is getting so competitive, guys are going to camps during the summer, even for girls. If you're a basketball player, you pretty much now have to play basketball all year round to even get looked at and be considered among the top. It's not like when we grew up, like, you could play three sports a year. They, they're starting this stuff with these kids now, younger and younger, you know, five and six years old, just putting it in their heads. And I just think it's just a, it's, it's more of a whole society thing and the way we're, we're pushing the kids and they have to do well. And for the dads who are coaching and want their sons who are thinking they'll be the ticket to, you know, playing college or NFL, this stuff is just starting at, it's too young. We need to let the kids be kids. Let everybody get in, you know, and play. See, I think that's why we work good together. Cause you read my mind. I'm going to ask you later on. But you already talked about it. <laughs> but I still want to come back with you that. Keep that thought. Well, what people are saying, you know, they starting young. And you know, I just kind of know it. Like, remember what you were telling me about your son? Like, you, you got to tell him that you got to do all this workout because people are starting young. Like, Pete say, like, three, four years old, they got their kids puffing themselves. You know, you got to do something better than the next person. So kind of, you know, go into that, Glenn. Well, I mean, it's, for me, it's a yes and a no. I just think you should let nature take its natural course. I don't think you have to do anything over the top to, to be competitive. I think it's those parents who weren't who weren't competitive who, who or who else want their kids to have the extra edge. I think they're the ones that are hiring these trainers and these coaches and things like that to give their sons more of a competitive edge to compete with the kids that are already at that level. So I don't see anything wrong with that. Like my son. My son can play, and, and I'm not saying that because he's my son, but the dude run like a truck. So as a parent, me knowing that he can play and he has, you know, natural ability, it's up to me now to either get him someone that could train him to run the correct way or – let him just take his natural course and see where it takes him. So that's all I think parents are trying to give their kids that competitive edge. I mean, think about it. If you spend 10000 now or 20000 now from, you know, youth football through high school to get your son to that, to that level and he gets a scholarship worth $100,000, guess what? That twenty grand you spent wasn't anything, you know, as opposed to not spending anything, then you have to spend $100,000 for an education. So, if you could spend it early and it pay off late, why not do it? Well, I mean, I think another part, too, is you're talking about Pop Warner, and I think I read something one time where they're even finding the boys who play Pop Warner, you're starting that young, how many concussions and stuff they're suffering before they even get to high school. Because you have these young kids now who they're coming out. You think of somebody who's been playing Pop Warner, say, since the age of six. Okay, now he gets all through high school, you graduate at 18, so that's 12 years he's been playing. And now they're even starting to look at, they've got to even make Pop Warner safer in terms of the concussions and stuff that these kids are suffering. You know, just like they're doing, they're trying to limit it more now in the pros. So I even think there's, you have to even be careful. You know, you're starting them so early. I know you want them to start early so that they're, you know, they're on an equal field, a playing field, but I think you also have to be careful 
and realize what are you subjecting them to if you're starting them at six years old. They're out there hitting, getting hit, you know, so it, it's a tough line. It's, it really is a tough line. See, as I get done, um, ask P, I want you to chime in and tell me what you think. And I want to talk about what you said, P, about the concussion. I think now they're going overboard with it. I mean, you said in part one, you read it, everybody getting cut. I think once you see a sign, oh, a kid got hit, okay, now it's a concussion because they're trying to be safe. But I think sometimes they're going over, overboard with this concussion thing. you agree, Glove, or no? Well, I mean, you got you to gotta remember, you know, this right here. When you're talking Pop Warner High School, High School, College, College, the pros, the equipment is totally different and also the skill level. You know, you got to remember a lot of these coaches in Pop Warner, for the sad part, a lot of them never played organized football or the highest level they played was Pop Warner. So how can you teach, have somebody teach when they haven't been taught? So that's why you're getting a lot of these kids that don't have proper technique and things like that because they're not being taught properly. Now, from an equipment standpoint, if they have the proper technique, you know, you would know how to use your body, not use it as a missile. You know not to tackle with your head down. You know you know all the little fine techniques and ways to do things. So when you're talking, say it again. When you, what were you saying, Les? No, I was saying, I thought somebody said something. Sorry about that. So I was saying, no, when you, when you're talking from an equipment standpoint, you know, an equi- the equipment is only as good as the person that's wearing it. If you, if you use the equipment like you're trying to hurt somebody viciously, then nine times out of ten you'll hurt yourself. If you play the game proper with the proper technique, then all is good. But it's all about the equipment, you know, being headgear and shoulder pads. If it's the up-to-date stuff, which the NFL has and a lot of colleges have, then they're fine to a certain degree. you got to remember Pop Warner has old equipment or old gear. They don't, up, they don't update their gear every year. So they're playing with old gear. So that's why if you're talking from a concussion standpoint, or injury standpoint, that's why you're getting a lot of the injury. It's because of the old equipment they're playing with. Well, well come on, girl. Let's be real. Part one, you're getting injured because kids are not going to listen to you say, don't duck your head. They're just going out instinct. Am I right? You're not going to see a kid and say, oh, i got to break down, go out, and tackle. It's not going to happen. They're going to drop their head because, one, they never played the game before they're young, and they're scared. So you're going to get more of that age. You guys agree? Well, I think, wasn't there a boy last year, I remember, they did a segment on it on ESPN. Some young guy in Pop Warner, he got like, he broke his neck or something. And right. I remember them saying, you know, the coaches were saying, oh, you know, we, we stand, we, we abide by the rules of Pop Warner and we teach our guys, you know, don't lead with your head and all this stuff. And so I think like you're saying, like, coaches, they may, when you're asking them the question, they're going to say, oh, no, we're teaching them the right way. But we know... Coaches want to win, and they're getting in these huddles and telling these boys, you know, it's game time. You're trying to win. Go after so-and-so. Get them this way. So I agree, James, where I think sometimes coaches, they may act like they're going to be teaching these young voices, but we don't know what they're telling them in the huddles and really what to do on the field. And and you also got to look at this right here. On ESPN, now we got these highlights of, of best plays and best hits and things like that. And in most cities and towns where there's high school football and things, they have these shows that come on after high school games at night where they showcase high school talent. So, you know, the other part of it is the media perpetuating these things like this. If if you were a kid playing, you want to see yourself on TV on Friday night or Saturday 
cracking somebody. So, so that's another uh, another side of the, the coin. Well, and, and you're right, though. Well, you want you want to see that, and you want, but you really want to see the fundamental, right? Because that's what you're doing to get them to that age where they can learn the game, right? Example, where it's supposed to be. You're absolutely right. It's 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 all about fundamentals. It's about fundamentals and technique. The difference between schools in the suburbs and schools in the inner city. The inner city skills, the, the inner city schools have all the skills. They could they could run, jump, and do all the above. But the suburban schools beat the inner city schools because they have fundamentals and technique. See? Well, yeah, you know, like Luff said, we want to teach them fun. We want them to be fundamentally sound, but. We know, too, like you said, you want to make the highlight reel. You want to make the newspaper. You know, these kids, they want to be the one chosen to be on ESPN as delivering this big-time hit. So media is glamorizing it, and so young kids, you know, they want. And so I think it's hard. We want them to be fundamentally sound, but we also know that inner drive and the kids want the attention. So you're going to have some of them going out there and still hitting the wrong way, and trying to light somebody up, you know, hit them extra hard. Um, they're still gonna. I think you're just you're just gonna have that because of the certain kids that want the attention. Well, guys, we got a lot of time, but next week we're gonna talk about these one-hit quarterbacks. You know, it's gonna be one year and flop. Andrew Luck, RG three. We got Russell Wilson. We got Kaepernick for the Forty Niners. Let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about are they one hit one? And should they get rid of that backup that might can come in and get them a winning season? So thanks again. Love and peace for another great show. See you guys next week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 